The following is a podcast from Livid, a ministry of St. Marcus. For more information or for message notes, go to www.livitmke.org. My brothers and sisters, my Livid and Sunday night friends, I'm going to talk to you about discipleship tonight, and I want to make sure I don't forget two things. I want to wish you happy Father's Day, fathers out there. And also tell you a little story where I want to tell you how important I am to how awesome I think Livid is right now. Maybe you don't know this story, um, but uh, about eight years ago, Pastor Ski was still leading the Sunday night service, and he took a call and he left, and Pastor Jeske came into my office and said, Paul, uh, you're here, um, and uh, we're going to go through this vacancy time, and before we call a new pastor, we want to ask you what you want to do. Because Pastor Ski was serving in the school and he was serving the Sunday night crowd. And they, he said, Paul, whatever you want to do, that's what we'll do. We want to follow where your, where your gifts are, where you want to be, where your passion is. And I thought about it. I thought about it and I said, it, the answer is clear. I want to serve Sunday night. That's a really cool group. That's what I want to do. I'm just, just about the same age as Ski. It's going to be awesome. Look forward to sharing message every night. Got a lot of great ideas. It's going to be awesome. And he said, okay, Paul, that's what you're going to do. And he, he left my office, uh, which used to be Brian Davison's office before I took it over. Um, and then the next day, Mrs. Val Young, dean in our school, came to me and said, well, Paul, uh, well, of course, she called me pastor. But she said, uh, pastor, I, I heard uh, they were trying to figure out where you're going to serve. And I wanted to tell her about my decision and how I was going to serve at the Sunday night crowd. Uh, and not in the school, but it was kind of tough because she's in the school. But I had never really, you know, served directly in the school before. That really wasn't my thing, I was pretty sure. Um, and she said, because I, really I really think you should serve in the school uh, because you've got six kids and you're just awesome. Everybody loves you. The kids love you. It'd be so awesome. And you know, uh, they can call and they could probably, with that, that cool Sunday night service, they could probably get a pastor to come. But who's going to want to come and serve in the school. We really need you. And then she said, here, pastor, here's four ties uh, that I took out of my husband's closet for you. And I took those four ties and I called Pastor Jessica and said, I think I want to go to the school. And because of that, you got the Holy Spirit, did, the Holy Spirit worked through that and you got Pastor Kelly, you got Pastor Hine. So really, if you love Pastor Hine, and who doesn't, you can thank me. All because I could be bribed by some ties. Um, but I'm telling you that uh, to also get you back that we're talking about discipleship and that includes how your call workers get from spot to spot and the Holy Spirit does his divine work through people, through real simple, common, little conversations and things like that and it's no mistake that Pastor Hind is here and I know God guided that whole thing um, and so here we are. But tonight I want to talk to you about uh, discipleship and I want to give you a, a true and false test tonight. Uh, now, if you've been around our school at all, you might know you can do true and false visibly. And if you want to participate tonight, you can. You don't have to. I mean, what can I do to you? But this would be true, and this is false. Some of you have seen that before. This is like true, this is like yes, and this is false. So here's my first question for you. Uh, true or false? Do you like true and false tests? True or false? Okay. If you're not participating, I'll figure it's false. Okay, that's great. We're going to go through some true and false stuff as we talk about true and false uh, prophets and true and false disciples. Um, and maybe you're somebody who likes true and false tests because 
it's a 50-50 shot, right? Maybe you're someone who's not good at recalling stuff, but you can kind of feel whether it's true or not. You could take a true and false test on something you've never read or studied and you feel like you can still get 75% correct. That's some of you. And other ones of you, you overthink things. You're the type that goes to the true and false uh, quiz with 20 questions. You go through it and you're doubting the whole time and you go back and you change about 10 of them because you reread them and well, maybe he's trying to trick me and you end up getting about 38%, right? on a true and false test. Well, tonight, don't worry. You can answer, you can think in your head. Just kind of be our guide. So let's jump into God's word. That's the real reason I'm here tonight. Uh, Matthew chapter seven, Jesus is gonna talk about true and false prophets first. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to us. So my true and false question is, true or false? You can recognize a false prophet. What do you think? Okay, I see lots of truths out there. And Jesus says to his disciples, yeah, there's a way to recognize them. By the power of the Spirit, you watch out for them, and you can see them. you got to look at what they produce at their fruit. This is important. Jesus says, watch out, because as we heard in our lesson, and Jesus points out here, not everybody who says, hey, I'm a prophet, is someone you want to listen to. The basic definition of a prophet is someone who speaks for someone else. And there's a bunch of people that love to say, hey, God, God talked to me, and I want to tell you what he said. You might think of uh, non-Christian religions. You might think of Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses who have extra revelation, and they say, yeah, the Bible has this, but we got this new stuff. Or maybe you think of Islam, and you think of uh, the prophet Muhammad, who said, yeah, Jesus was a prophet, but <laughs> I'm the prophet? And yet when you read the Quran, it's a very different message, not a message of grace uh, and salvation, all kinds of other things that are different than the Bible. Maybe even think of people who call themselves Christians, Christian preachers, people who look like me, people who stand up uh, and they say, yeah, uh, I got a message for you from God, but yet when you hear their message, it doesn't really line up with the Bible or they start kind of adding extra rules and laws like saying, oh, God spoke to me and he told me you should write out a check for $10,000 to me. And how can you argue? Because God said it. Or maybe it's not somebody big on a stage like that. Maybe it's just somebody you interact with that maybe uses that phrase a lot. Well, you know, I was speaking to God and God told me. Now, God does speak to us. He speaks to us through his word. And God wants us to talk to him in prayer. But it's kind of dangerous when you start saying, well, God told me, and now I'm sharing it with you? Because how can you defend that? How can, if God told me, maybe it's something like this. It's happened to me where I've had a conversation with someone that I was discipling, and I mentioned that, you know, you can't live together before marriage. That's not following Jesus' ways. That's not what he says in his word. And somebody says, well, pastor, I really appreciate that you took the time. It must be kind of tough to talk to me about that. 
And I realize, I realize the situation, but that I've been praying to God, I've been talking to him, and God told me that it's okay as long as this is only for six months. And so God and I got this figured out. They're claiming to be a prophet. God, Pastor, I know what you're saying, but God told me. How do you know? By their fruit you will recognize them. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you read God's word, you see what it says, and then you compare it to anybody who claims to speak for God. That's your job. I don't care whether it's Pastor Hine or me or a new pastor you call. A congregation's health depends on whether you know God's word. And guess what? You don't need pastors to tell you what it does. You should have pastors, but read the word for yourself. The Holy Spirit works through that word on your hearts. You can know it in the strength of St. Marcus, the strength of every congregation, is that you guys really know it. That's why your own discipleship is so important. Because who's the most dangerous person in any congregation? Not you. It's people like me. Satan works on us hard and hopes to lead us away. You need to know God's word. You need to know it. Our job is to make sure that you don't let Pastor Hind and I and Lyra and Jeske stray from God's word. And you have the power to recognize it. You have the power because the Holy Spirit is the one who gives that sight of discipleship and a leader to follow. Let's go on. Uh, Jesus talks now about people who might be false disciples. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven does that fruit. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So true or false? Do you think you can recognize a false disciple? What do you think? It's, it's a little harder question. People don't, your hands aren't going up or whatever. I see some, I see some things like that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty tough, right? If you take a look at this, even those disciples themselves had fooled themselves. They, they did great, amazing things on the outside. They probably looked fantastic, right, on the outside, that they had miracles and things they did. But Jesus says, I never knew you. It's tough to see. We can't see in other people's hearts not perfectly. We can't see it for sure. We can't see everything. We want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Only Jesus and the Holy Spirit can see that for sure. But that gives us the urgency that we want to make true disciples. So we want to have people really be discipled. Not just have a show, not just maybe go through the steps or be in a membership list, but really be followers of Jesus. And that's tough because it's tricky. It's hard to see. We're going to take a little segue and talk about discipleship a little bit now and just with some true and false and talk about what really is discipleship. How can we work on this? How can we make sure that people in our care, our brothers and sisters, people in our groups, people in our congregation, people in our school, don't at the end of their life think, yeah, I died, I'm going to heaven, and then get told, um... And you are? I'm not. Um, I don't think you're on the guest list. We need to have that urgency. Not let people fool themselves and make sure they are disciples. So now here comes a, a few discipleship true and falses. Now the first big one is a little tricky. I'm not going to have you answer this. Uh, but the first question that comes to mind with people is, true or false, am I 
a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because doubt can creep in. And sometimes we say things like, well, Christians don't lie. Christians don't get angry. But they do, don't they? Because we're sinners and saints at the same time. I had an eighth grader, not at St. Marcus, but uh, back when I was an intern, when I was a vicar in Eagle River, a young lady named Claire, and she was the best Bible student I'd ever had in eighth grade. Amazing, phenomenal. Came time for confirmation, and she said, uh, Vicar, um, I don't think I could be confirmed. And I said, why not? I mean, you're the best student I got. If everybody was like you, it'd be amazing. Uh, and she said, because uh, I don't think I'm a disciple of Jesus. And I went, what do you mean? She was looking in her life and looking for perfection, and she wasn't up to the standards. She was an amazing eighth grader. When I counseled, I said, I said Claire, the, the key is, when it comes to seeing your discipleship, you can't look at yourself and look at yourself and look at yourself. You need to keep on looking at Jesus and filling up with God's word and keep on getting to that. You've got to follow, look, focus on him. If you want to follow Jesus, you don't look down. You look at him. She didn't get confirmed that year. She got confirmed the next year, and now she's a full-time youth worker in a Lutheran church. Um, and every once in a while, we connect on Facebook and laugh about that, that time and the reason she was uh, not sure she was a disciple. It's tough. It's tough. The key is look at Jesus. Now, a couple things about discipleship. True or false, discipleship is a state and not certain activities. Now, what I'm, I'm not going to ask you to answer this question. It is a little confusing. But sometimes people think discipleship is a certain automatic set of things that you do. Like, well, if you're a disciple of Jesus, this means you give 10% of your income, you come to church every week, uh, you're in a small group Bible study, that's discipleship. Those things could be parts of your discipleship walk, but discipleship is more being a total student of Jesus, being a follower all the time of whatever you do, and in different people's stages of life, it looks differently. In different congregations, it looks different. In different cultures, it looks different. There isn't an automatic thing to say this is when you're a disciple, because even if you do everything on the outside, it doesn't mean you're truly following Jesus. It's a mindset of being his student, of having a repentant heart each and every day saying, I'm here to change. Lord, help me change and lead me. True or false? Discipleship is not about the path you were on, but the path you are on. What about that one? True or false? What do you think? I see, I see a lot of truths out there. Yeah, that's meant to be a true statement. What it means is that it doesn't matter where you've been or where your life has been, uh, and what sins you've committed, or where you were, it doesn't matter. A disciple is someone who's now sitting at the feet of Jesus. This uh, last week, I got to be part of Center for Urban Teaching, some of the things I'm working on doing. Uh, if you've never heard of that, it's a group training high-powered urban teachers. Uh, it's a Christian group that does Christian summer schools, and this summer they'll have 16 summer schools and over 2,000 students and over 300 intern teachers training to be uh, teachers in Milwaukee, which is great for St. Marcus because we need a lot of teachers, great for Garden Homes and Atonement and all the other well spots looking for teachers and great for all the schools in Milwaukee. We were at a retreat up to Green Lake Conference Center. And um, these 300 teachers, they're all college age. Well, they're not all, but most of them are. Some are 48, some are 55, but most of them are in that college age. 
And as the kind of chaplain guy for all of them, I wasn't in every session, but I attended most of the sessions that were entitled life mapping. What they were supposed to do was with a piece of paper diagram or trace their life and how they got to this point where they're now about to be a Christian Seafoot summer school teacher. And they would do that and then they'd, they'd share their story. Of about the 150 teachers that I heard, nobody's story sounded like this. Oh, I grew up in a perfect home. I was, my mom and dad were loving, had great siblings. I went to a wonderful Christian grade school. It was perfect, loved all my teachers. Oh, it was awesome. And then I went to this amazing Christian high school. Oh, and everybody loved me and I was involved in lots of activities. It was great. And then I went to this amazing uh, college where I've been at for three years. It's wonderful. Everything's worked out easy and my faith has always been strong. Nobody said that. It wasn't even close. Whether it was the, the leaders that were already teachers or the brand new people, it was, well, uh, I never knew my dad. Uh, my mom used to beat me up. Um, I got addicted to alcohol at age 14. I got pregnant at 15. Um, I tried to commit suicide at 16. Um, and then I tried this college and that college, and I hung out with this guy and did this. Um, and I ran away from God. And then this one person invited me to church and I, and I came, and I hated it. But she brought me back the next week, and then my life changed. And now I'm with, with this church, and I'm doing that, and now I'm so excited to share Jesus with kids who need it as much as me. I got to hear all those stories, and, and I, I do cry on occasion, but it was the most powerful thing. Hear that no, there isn't like a little automatic, this is the path of discipleship that works out. That's the way lives are. They really stink. We just don't often share them that way. That's discipleship. Walking through the mud and the muck, but it's following Jesus. And Jesus gets us there by the power of his Holy Spirit. So whatever your path has been, or whatever the path has been of the people that you bump into, they're all on the path that can be set towards Jesus and discipleship. True or false? Discipleship doesn't cost anything. What do you think? And some of you are, are hesitant because like, see, when, if you're like this, you're really sure. If you're like this, you're not too sure. This is a little bit tricky. Discipleship costs Jesus everything. It doesn't cost us any money to be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus paid the whole thing. In one sense, it's a free ride. But in the other sense, it costs you your whole life. Discipleship is not like taking up playing an instrument or or a bowling in the league with your son, or, or, or getting involved in some things. Jesus says I, it needs to be the whole thing. You have to follow me 100%. You can bowl and you can you, learn the ukulele, but it all has to be for me, okay? It costs us everything. And that's the struggle uh, for me. I, I love to follow Jesus, but I still want there to be a lot about me. But it's, it's a big deal, something, it's the big picture. True or false, discipleship is never alone. What do you think of that one? Are you alone in discipleship or are you? Yeah, discipleship is never meant to be alone, not what discipleship that Jesus calls us to. Now, typically, I'm very American. Americans are very me-oriented and want to say, it's all about me and my relationship to God. Um, and I downplay people around me. I want to have this private walk of discipleship. It doesn't really work that way. 
God wants us to be in twos or threes and in community. That's the way he designed us. That's the way he designed discipleship. He always, he sent his disciples out in twos. He gathered them together in a group. That's the way they did it. Paul and Silas went out. They didn't go out by themselves. He calls us to be together in groups and we need to be in rows and we need to be in circles. We need to be in twos. We need to have some discipleship accountability, brother. We need somebody to help us. Somebody to say, hey, I think you're, you're straying away. Someone went to poke us and say, hey, pay attention, pay attention. Something good is going on here. We need that. And that's one of the cool things that happens here at Service Like Live It. Uh, so that's, that's uh, kind of the true and false quiz. And now we're going to get back to the scriptures, but I have a little diagram. I know Pastor Hein likes diagrams, um, so uh, we'll see if this is as good as yours. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't think it's as artistic, but hopefully illustrating what this discipleship is. Starts with the cross. Always the right thing to put in a Christian illustration. Without Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead, there is no discipleship. There is no leader. Our sins are not forgiven and we're broken. We go right to hell. We're just followers of, of Satan and evil. From the cross, that comes to us. God finds us. God works on us. He works on us and you're going to see the Holy Spirit pop in a bit with baptism, with the means of grace. He comes to us. He does the work in us. We don't find him. But then it pushes us all the way, leads us to the cross, to carry our own cross, to go towards that cross, to die to ourselves on the cross. It's from cross to cross and along the way, the Holy Spirit does the whole thing. He's the matchmaker who gets us in faith to make us a child of God, 100% his power, faith that, that we couldn't make up, faith that we couldn't give. And then he continues to work on us in our lives of sanctification, leading us to the cross, leading us to get rid of ourselves, leading us to follow him over crazy paths. And he gets us to go, and when he does that, he uses community around us for us to bless and to bless us to head toward that cross together as his community. It's all the Holy Spirit. To follow Jesus, to be his disciples, all the work of the Holy Spirit, and the blessings are amazing. Let's finish up our scripture section. Jesus says, Therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, a disciple, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. It did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. True or false, a Christian's walk of discipleship will be easy. I see lots of falses out there. Yep. You see, the rains are going to come and the streams are going to rise and the wind's going to blow and going to beat against that house. That's what discipleship is like, like walking against a tornado or a hurricane. Expect it, know it. But realize you've got Jesus who's the rock, your foundation. Paid for your life and he will get you to the finish line, will give you that authority. It'll walk you all the way to heaven again by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now let's apply it to St. Marcus. True or false? This is opinion, so you can't get this wrong. True or false, St. Marcus' strength, our church's strength, is discipleship. What do you think? 
True or false? It's your opinion. It must be false because nobody's saying it. No one's, no one, nobody is going like, oh yeah, it is, because it's, it's not. Uh, when we did a survey a while back before Pastor High was here, the weaknesses we had was discipleship. Great at front end, great at getting people started, but not great at really not missing people and keeping them on their path. That's something we need to grow on. That's something that Pastor High has continued to unlock the puzzle of, and we're so big and have so many services uh, something that we work on. But the key is speaking with God's authority and, and, and leadership. And, and yeah, we're going to call another pastor and your next pastor. The most important thing is that he has God's word, that he can share it. But an encouragement I have for you is that uh, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but this is the leadership service. I don't, do you guys know that? Craig, do you know that? Um, it's, I mean, since I've been here, this is the service that will try things that'll do things really well, and the other service is covet. Uh, my two o'clock service covets some things that you do, like, oh man, we gotta do that. We gotta have leaders like that. We try to copy and Im imitate you. Things you do trickle on down. And of all the services and groups here, you have the best key on discipleship the way that you do it. So my encouragement for you is go crazy on it and then show how awesome it is to, to the rest of St. Marcus and let it kind of trickle down and be that, be leaders. With your, with your groups and the way you get together and your discipleship and what you do intentionally. Uh, don't, don't just do it for yourself, but see yourself as that leader so the other services need you. They need you to share what you have. They need you to do that so we can get better at discipleship and with this next pastor to work as that team. I'm excited as a member of St. Marcus to see how it happens in the future. Who's going to be here? How it's going to be set up to do the amazing things that God uh, is getting us set up for? Um, and I do want to make an application for fathers out there. You know, I love being a father, um, and there just aren't enough good fathers out there. But it's the fathers who really do the discipling. That's really the way God designed it. You know, the church does discipling, but really it's, it's the father's job mainly. If you have a dad who actually did that, uh, who actually discipled you, thank the Lord for it. It's a rare, rare thing. Uh, I work with, I mean, thousands of kids at St. Marcus School, uh, and there's a, there's a drought of good fathers um, in this city in general. Uh, you know, I call, would call all these families up and try to meet with them, and I knew uh, that when I would call up and leave a message, there might be a, a, a dad and a mom that would be at the house, maybe, but the dads never called me back. Actually, they, actually there was one. He was like a deacon in his, in his church. The only reason I ever saw dads, you could find a dad who actually loved his kids really and just did outstanding things for them was Christ. If you are a father or you want to be a father, see yourself, that is your job number one, to take God's word as authority and share it with your kids. I've, I've done lots of really cool ministries at St. Marcus, a whole bunch of stories I can't tell like till 20 years from now, really cool things. I've gotten to uh, baptized dozens of people. Uh, this year I baptized 49 people on one day. I've done all kinds of crazy visits and dangerous spots. It's been really cool. I really enjoyed it. Amazing things have happened. But nothing that I've done here at St. Marcus is even close to the impact I made in God's kingdom with my six kids. It's not even close. And they're just getting started. So fathers, that's the big thing, invest in. Don't do anything else um, if you don't have time to do that first. And if you know people that don't have a father to do that, do that for them. Uh, that could be your thing. And that's just one way 
Uh, one of my encouragements for the Livid crowd is you guys do some amazing things. One of the things St. Marcus has to work on is how to connect what this is with the amazing school that we have and make it work. You may notice there's not a lot of school families here. It's not because this isn't awesome, but just, we haven't been able to make that good connection. And that's something we have to work on. And one of the things that they need is a whole bunch of fatherly love and a whole bunch of dads that maybe want to be amazing Christian dads to be discipled up and trained into that. If you can change one dad from an unbeliever to an amazing Christian father who raises his kids in Jesus, you may have changed three or four or five generations. It's a big deal. So that's my encouragement. It's something you can look on in your plan. Uh, you got that down, Craig? Excellent. Um, uh, and I'll be here to, to keep on praying for it. Uh, final true or false. As I f- finished up this message, Pastor Hines said he always goes about 40 minutes, so I'm still going to be short of that. Um, <laughs> true or false. It's been a wonderful nine years to serve here at St. Marcus. And the answer is definitely true. Um, I never would have picked it uh, to, to be here. That was not what I thought I should go to out of seminary. Uh, never came here not to be the school pastor intensely tried not to be the school pastor. And now what am I doing? Going to serve in schools around the city. Um, And that just is how God does discipleship and how it works. And I'm so thankful to this congregation uh, for giving me the opportunities to do whatever um, and try whatever. uh, And everyone's always built me up and it can go crazy for Jesus and do that. And I can't even think, I can't even think of one one, uh, time that I wasn't treated wonderfully or... Uh, given the opportunity or criticized or whatever. It's just phenomenal. Um, And so I thank you very much for that because as I was discipling you, I was discipled amazingly by being here, equipped and prepared for what God's going to have me do for the next uh, 20 years. So I thank you very much for that. Uh, So if you've been able to be discipled uh, through my ministry and uh, if I've been uh, discipled by being part of your ministry, we're all going to say amen together when I count to three. Ready? One, two, three. Amen.